The Deputy Chief Public Health Officer, God, I can imagine how busy she's been, Dr Emily Kirkpatrick has joined us on the show. Emily, good afternoon and thanks for your time. I can imagine how flat out you've been. Oh, good afternoon, Tony. Look, it certainly has been a very busy week for us at SA Health, that's for certain. And look, we're just so glad to see those numbers be so low with one case today. Right, okay. Now, kind of, this is, this is good news with only one new confirmed case. Where was the case discovered and who are they, uh, what's their background? Look, it is one case that is linked to the parafield cluster and part of the extended family group. And, and what's the really good thing about this particular case is, is it's someone who's been in quarantine since the beginning of the week. So since last Monday, they've been in quarantine. Uh, so really, really pleasing that this is someone who has done the right thing, has not been out and about and is no risk at all to the community. So really, really thankful to the family of, of the extended family who went and got tested and have been following our SA health instructions and in fact, Tony, this um, this particular person has been tested twice previously already and returned negative results. But because we're trying to stay really on top of things, uh, we did advise getting an extra test as well. And we know that test has now come back positive, despite the fact that this person is completely well and has no symptoms. You're, uh, you're saying that the wearing of face masks in public and when using public transport, this is the, uh, this is the way we should be uh, handling this whole thing. Yes, and it, look, it is because of the fact we are still worried, particularly for the next couple of weeks, that we will see cases pop up and hopefully all of those people will be in quarantine. Uh, but look, the masks are an excellent way to try and reduce the risk of transmission when you are stuck inside or you're, you're catching the bus and you've got people around you. It's a really good way to protect yourself and make sure you're not spreading any, um, any of the virus around. So we do strongly encourage masks, um, particularly for those indoor spaces or spaces where you can't physically you got a question for uh, Dr Kirkpatrick. Here's the opportunity. Give us a ring on 8223 0000. You can put the question directly to the, to the doctor themselves. From Cameron at Herbray, um, Emily sends us an email. Uh, is Dr Kirkpatrick confident that our contact tracing system here is up to scratch? Uh, the New South Wales Premier has been uh, boasting about the fact that they reckon theirs is the best in the country. Does ours compare? Look, it certainly does compare. We have um, learnt a lot as well from what's been happening in Victoria. And one of the great things about us here in South Australia is we do work very collaboratively with the other states to ensure that we are all maintaining a very high standard of contact tracing. And in fact, the team have been preparing this for this for so long now in terms of many months of no cases, community cases here. It's been time to really think through What's the evidence base for how we contact trace? So I can absolutely say uh, that the team here are, are prepared for the outbreak and have so far done a fantastic job and worked so incredibly hard to get all of those contacts into quarantine. 8223 is that interactive number of ours on air, if you like, and email here at 5AA.com.au. Ellie from down at Camden Park uh, said, reading reports and hearing reports that interstate they're testing sewerage for, uh, for COVID. What's the significance of that? And are we doing the same thing here in SA? Yes, so we are testing uh, the sewerage here in South Australia. And actually, I've got a map on my window here in my office at work 
that shows us the locations where we've been testing. Uh, so we do know that we have had some positive results back in our sewerage. Uh, and look, that would be expected given the fact that we have such a large catchment here in South Australia that collects the Adelaide region, and that's at the Bolivar plant. And so we know that we have had some positives there, and we know that's probably consistent with our Medi hotels, uh, the fact that we've had positive cases there. But now what we're doing is we're breaking the catchments down smaller. So we're testing in areas, particularly in the north of Adelaide, to see is there undetected virus out there in the sewerage. Now, look, we do talk about the sewerage testing as being one tool as part of this. We know it's not as accurate as the as the nasal swab PCR that everyone's going out and lining up for, but it is one tool uh, that does provide us a little bit of a snapshot of information as to what's happening out there in the community. All right, 138 at uh, Enfield. Uh, Lily with a question for uh, Dr Kirkpatrick. Hello, Lily. Oh, good morning. Oh, sorry, good afternoon, Pilko and Dr Kirkpatrick. Um, now, I'm just wondering, uh, people that are food handlers, uh, face shields, is that a good idea? And hairnets, because I've heard from other microbiologists that, uh, you know, their hair can carry things and your eye ducts can, you know, seep the uh, virus through it. God forbid. So face shields and, you know, a nice PPE outfit when you're preparing and handling food, especially pizza shops and other takeaway outlets. What do you think, Doctor? That's an excellent question around what sort of levels of PPE you need for the food preparation. Look, a shield is helpful. Um, absolutely it is helpful, but a mask would be even better for that. So having a mask and then a face shield over the top is really good because then that stops that breathing and the aerosols coming out of your mouth then when you're preparing any food. And we know that hair nets are good anyway to keep people's hair out of the way, particularly when we think about other sorts of uh, viruses as well and just in terms of hygiene and, and, and making sure the food is very clean but if you're going to wear a face shield strongly suggest you wear a mask as well with that Lee, mm-hmm. thanks Thank for the question right to a john at ingle farm with a question for dr kirkpatrick hello john uh, hello good afternoon just uh just a general comment and then uh your thoughts sweden is one of the countries that just let the virus go the annual death rate for the last five years is about ninety thousand. up to september this year at sixty six thousand. Divide that by 12, multiply by 9, you'll figure out it's about the same death rate. So if the death rate's not... Oh, get your listeners to do the independent research on that as well. Don't take my word for it. So the question is, if it's not really killing anyone, why shut down a whole state? What's the real threat? Look, we know it's not just about the mortality rate as well that we've been seeing, and we are seeing so many deaths globally uh, that are really, really quite concerning. It's also the impact this is having on people post having had the virus. Uh, We know that it impacts on people's mental health. We've seen people develop uh, a chronic fatigue type picture as well, part of the virus. I think it's really an area we'll hopefully understand more as we move into the future. Uh, but, But once you're cleared of the virus, absolutely, we have seen people, and people here in South Australia, continue to have symptoms associated with their COVID. And um, another example has been some breathing issues as well, some heart issues. So certainly it's not a it's not a straightforward virus like a common cold. You get the virus, you feel better afterwards. We are still very concerned about this. And even though we see different numbers of mortality in various countries, this is a very serious virus. And it's why we have to take all of the precautions on board to make sure we can keep ourselves safe. So thank you for that question. Righto. Uh, from uh, John at Ingle Farm to uh, Alan at uh, St Peter's. Hello, Alan. How are you going? Um, my question is, the positive that you've had today was 
for the call uh, to uh, Campbelltown this time around. Craig from there. Hello, Craig. Hello. Uh, yeah, I just want to ask the doctor a question uh, uh, about I wear glasses and that, and when you've got the mask on and you're breathing, you're in, uh, like, a shopping centre or on a bus, for example, uh, they're fogging up and you can't even see. So how are uh, people wearing glasses going to get around that? Yes, that's a, that's a good question, isn't it? I, I found this as well when I've worn it and I wear my glasses and I use an alcohol wipe on my glasses and that <laughs> stops, tends to stop the fog happening. Uh, but it is it can be quite frustrating. So it's often about adjusting your glasses so they're not uh, um, it's, they're not forming such a seal between your mask and your and your nasal bridge and your glasses. So lifting them up a bit or putting an alcohol wipe on it may be helpful for you. Only thing if you're in a supermarket and they've got the air conditioner on or out in the sun, you're breathing, they fogged up and it's recommended you don't touch your face. So, you know, can you let your uh, chief uh, medical doctor know about that when she uh, has press conference about the people with glasses? It hasn't been mentioned in that uh, kind of thing. Yes, we've certainly been talking about it here at work and I know yeah, um, yeah. Professor Spuria has her glasses as well and we all get them fogged up at times. So, yeah. yes, I think that's good advice. Thank you. Yeah, right. Thank you. Thank right you very Craig. Much. Back in a moment or so with uh, Dr Emily Kirkpatrick, who's the Deputy Chief uh, Public Health Officer. Uh, Emily, I, I tell you what, uh, Josh's eyes, our producer, lit up when, when you mentioned alcohol and glasses. Uh, he's thinking, <laughs> oh, hang on a minute or so, I better start licking the glasses. Back in a moment or so, you got a question for Dr Emily and God, there some questions out there. Here's the opportunity. Give us a ring. It's getting on towards a quarter to two. We've got your chance to win big with David and Will's $10,000 chase. It's your chance to share in a massive $10,000 and all you need to do is play our version of the chase against our very own chaser David Penberth. If I can chase down the contestant, the cash will jackpot over to the next day. If you need a bit of help, you can watch the chase Australia on seven weekdays from 5pm. Every morning we'll use a question from the previous night's episode. So listen out for your chance to play and beat me for your chance to share in $10,000. An important notice to both current and former Aveo residents and their estates. A class action is underway against Aveo Group, brought by residents who claim that Aveo told them that the introduction of the Aveo Way contracts would make them no worse off. Those who had a right to a capital gain on sale claim Aveo took away their right to transfer their entitlement to a new buyer without paying for it. For more information, please contact Class PR on 02-8267-9499 or email contact at classpr.com.au. 
Class PR is a public relations company related to Levitt Robinson Solicitors. This advertisement is sponsored by Galactic Aveo LLC, a US corporation funding the class action against Aveo. Get more from your motoring, especially if you drive a Volkswagen. Mawson Lakes Volkswagen is now open with state-of-the-art servicing, complimentary loan cars, next-day servicing and breakfast or lunch on us. Because when you're Adelaide's newest Volkswagen dealer, you want to give more. It's time you got more care and more great servicing deals on the best car badge in the business. Mawson Lakes Volkswagen. Book online now for early service specials. Just a short drive from the city. During the COVID crisis, almost a million Australians have deferred repayments for home, personal and business loans. And there's more help. Small business recovery loans. Help with credit card repayments, credit rating protection, landlord and tenant support and more customer support staff. Australian banks are here to support you. If you're in financial difficulty, don't wait till you're in over your head. Talk to your bank. They'll help you find a way through this. Don't tough it out on your own. What do kids love to do in summer? Swim, of course. Kids love water. So if you want your kids to feel confident in and around water, enrol them in VacSwim. There's 120 pool and beach locations all over SA. Enrol online at vacswimsa.com.au. Narrow the field with Labbrook's Easy Form. Place form-driven multis or singles without ever having to study a guide. Create your ideal bet using a range of form filters, including runner stats, jockey, trainer and track. Or choose from market movers and favourite runners. Available on all Australian and selected international racing codes, Ladbrokes Easy Form does the hard work for you. Ladbrokes, back yourself. Gamble responsibly. While everyone around you is scrambling to get their Christmas shopping done, Chemist Warehouse has an early Christmas present for you to spoil your loved ones with. Like Paco Rabanne Lady Million 80ml, only $99.99. Try Giorgio Armani Code 75ml, just $89.99. Or Dolce & Gabbana for Women The One 75ml, $79.99. And Paco Rabanne Invictus 100ml, only $89.99. For Christmas gifts they'll love, come home to Chemist Warehouse with great savings every day. I'm Cathy Nagel, the Chief Executive Officer of Western Hospital at Henley Beach. We are excited to be able to offer the services of a cardiac cath lab and vascular surgery, all presented within our new and state-of-the-art hybrid theatre to be launched in the new year. Western is committed to providing exceptional service to our community and, coupled with our 24-hour medical care and intensive care unit for inpatients, we have a hospital to be proud of. Visit us at westernhospital.com.au. Enjoy the party atmosphere every Sunday at the Jeff's Cross Market with stalls, homemade treats, fresh fruit and veg, arts, crafts, bric-a-brac and more. Wallace Cinema's mainline drive-in on Main North Road from 7am every Sunday for the Jeff's Cross Market. Visit wallace.com.au. Scrape your caravan, Walker Crash Repairs, an RAA-approved caravan crash repairer. This is Tony Pilkington. It's uh, just on uh, 12 minutes to 2. Our guest is uh, the uh, Deputy uh, Chief Public Health Officer here in South Australia, and like all of them, flat to the board at the moment, Dr Emily Kirkpatrick. Emily, a couple of emails. We'll get to those if we can. Uh, this is an interesting one. Um, is, uh, is COVID, this is from Pat down at Ashford, is uh, COVID contagious, contagious rather, before somebody shows the symptoms of having it? 
Yes, it is. So that's a good question, Pat. So we do know that people uh, can be contagious, particularly in the first 48 hours uh, before they develop symptoms, which is why it's so important to still go and get tested if you've been instructed to by SA Health and you have no symptoms. So yes, excellent question. You can be contagious. All righty. Benny from Hope Valley sends us an email on air at 5AA.com.au. Can the doctor please explain asymptomatic, uh, uh, what is it to, to COVID symptoms and is this one of the most dangerous problems for controlling this thing? So if somebody is, uh, what, what, what's it called again, Emily? Asymptomatic. As, yeah, so is that dangerous and uh, what's an explanation for it? Well, look, we do know that there is this risk with asymptomatic spread, so that someone who has no symptoms can then go and spread the virus. But we do know the majority of those people actually then go on to develop symptoms after they've been in that asymptomatic period. And then you get the next set of symptoms, which is that cough, runny nose, sore throat, and that very bizarre symptom of the loss of taste or smell. And I think that's a good one to always remember. If you think, oh, it's a bit strange, I can't taste my dinner tonight, then, you know, just be alert and, and think about going and getting a test done. So we want people to get tested on the first day they get symptoms. But no, it doesn't necessarily mean that someone will be a super spreader or or spread the infection more readily if they don't have symptoms. But there is that period beforehand uh, where you certainly are contagious. I just said for Pat's answer before uh, that we need to be alert for. Tony from Brighton has called us. Hello, Tony. Yes, hello, Buzz. Uh, not Buzz, Tony. <laughs> one of those, anyway. Yeah, yeah, go. <laughs> yeah one of them. Yeah, maybe you're the third one. <laughs> what well, I just want to make a question while I'm on the subject of being capable of us and everything. Just concerning about some of the water holes down there, I have a karate at the end, one of your tail and a few others. Are you, are you talking, Tony, effectively about pub restrictions? Yeah, well, it's a pub and entertainment and music sometimes. And there's a lot of teenagers, middle ages, all sorts of age, which they, no, you got to try to have a beer of fun. But uh, even a month ago, you know, and uh, often there is a, a crowd of the. Yeah, the, um, the thing about youngsters, the thing about youngsters, Tony, is when they get together, of course, social distancing goes right out the window because uh, the reason they're in the pub or in a club or something or other is actually to kind of uh, you know, in, intermingle and, and get to know each other and get up close. Yeah, it's a problem. Catherine has given us a call on 822 Hello, Catherine. Hello, how are you? We're both... Uh, I'm, well, I'm talking for Emily now. We're both OK. Oh, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. I'm glad to hear. Um, I'm just inquiring... Um, my husband's had major surgery, and I haven't been allowed to see him. He had it Friday, and um, it's really hard because, you know, as a um, a wife, I'd like to think I could visit him and help him wear, you know what I mean? But they're, they're, they're closed, and, and I'm wondering when are they going to open for visitors? Yes, we're hoping to have our visiting hours uh, relaxed from now on moving forward, really. We did bring in those restrictions as part of our stay-at-home measures. Uh, so just to make sure we were really, really reducing any possible risk to, to vulnerable patients in our hospital settings. Uh, but we certainly are looking at lifting those restrictions to allow those really important visits. And they will still oh, be fine. those sort of shortened times. But, yes, we are very much looking forward to restart those. Excellent. Can I just say a little bit of input about this? I think that there seems to be a lack of communication there because um, I live in um, Seaton and I went all the way to Flinders. I was not told there was no visiting hours. Do you know what I mean? Like there was just no... And even when you go through 
the SA, it says about aged care, it says about disability, but there's nothing actually, or I couldn't find it on your website to say hospitals are closed down. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just really added to our anxiety. Yes, absolutely. I'll see what we can do with our public messaging. Thank you for letting me know that. Right, oh, Catherine. Um, Emily, the uh, the good news is we've got one new case of it today, but this is not a result of community transmission. So that's that's important, isn't it? Yes, it certainly is. And we've been able to link back all of our cases now back to our primary index case. And that's all linked in with the Parafield cluster. Uh, we did have a case yesterday in hotel quarantine uh, unrelated to this. But look, it is really important to know we've had no unknown community uh, links or no epi links where we haven't been able to identify uh, where the cases come from. So very reassuring. But Certainly we're not out of the woods yet with this. And uh, we've got, what, 38 active cases here in South Australia. How many of those are in hospital? Any of them in intensive care that you know of? No, no one's in intensive care. We do have one hospitalised uh, male in his 30s at the moment in, in hospital, but he is otherwise stable. So thankfully, everyone is doing OK. There's no, no one in intensive care. But look, our fingers are crossed. We do know this can be a very, a very serious virus and it is important that people do uh, seek help and call for an ambulance if they do need any assistance. Emily, this is an interesting one from, uh, from Yana, who sent us an email. Uh, my daughter was at the Woodville Pizza Shop on Saturday night purchasing a pizza. Now, will she need to get retested on the 10th or the 12th day? Was told by the health department to go on the 10th day, but most people are saying it's the 12th day. Can you please clarify? Yes, so it's the 12th day uh, you need to be tested on. We are finding, though, that people are being reminded to get a test beforehand. So it might have been that they were reminded to get tested and that message may have come out on the 10th. Uh, but certainly to leave quarantine, you need to have a test on the 12th day and have a negative result before you can leave. Emily, what would have constituted a, a second wave? Uh, the Premier, Stephen Marshall, at, uh, at midday today in the press conference said that we, we have avoided the second wave. What would have constituted a, a second wave? Uh, is there a, a definitive figure? Look, certainly we know that having a large number of cases and the daily case rate uh, would be an indicator that we were heading in a second wave. And certainly the modelling that Professor Spurrier presented yesterday to the press conference really highlighted how close we were to moving into that picture. We were all sitting down on Sunday evening last week and going through, gosh, look at all these numbers coming through. And what you have to think about when you think about second waves is, well, what's the effective reproduction rate? And that's that R value that some people in the community may have heard about. That's the rate whereby if one person developed COVID-19, what's the risk of them then passing on to other people? And when that number's more than one, we know there is a significant risk then of more cases developing and therefore developing a second wave. So our numbers were sitting above two for that. So we do know that that was putting us in a trajectory where we were heading very much towards having a wave. So having that spike and increase of cases would give us that. Uh, Emily, just a final question from Felicity. She said, uh, can the doctor, she said, I'm enjoying listening to her, can she very briefly run through the possible signs that you may have COVID? What are they again? Yes, so loss of taste or smell, sore throat, runny nose, fever and also feeling fatigued as well we have been seeing with these uh, current cases coming through. So really important to take that on board, a cough, sore throat, runny nose, fever or loss of taste or smell. Loss of taste or smell for a lot of us would be 
oh, what the hell is going on? Coffer and a fever and all of the other stuff and feeling lethargy, but a, a loss of smell or a taste would be, a, you'd think, a very definite sign that something's not right. Yes, and it's quite surprising, really, Tony, how many people have, have said that to us, that they do have those symptoms. Uh, so it'll be very interesting when we go back and we look at the evidence later on of what people's symptoms were. It'll be very interesting to see what the breakdown of this is. Emily, thank you for your time this afternoon. Congratulations on the hard work that you do. Look forward to chatting again. That's the Deputy Chief Public Health Officer here in South Australia, Dr Emily Kirkpatrick.